Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Good morning, folks. Welcome in. It is Hardwood Handicappers here on this Monday of Thanksgiving week, which is kind of weird to me. I don't know why it feels very early, even though it isn't. I just It feels like it shouldn't be this week. It feels like it should be next week for me. Uh, Zach Cohen is here. What's up, buddy? You feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, like when you work in sports, it just feels like the entire year flies so fast and like nothing really ever ends or starts. It's hard to explain, but yes. yeah, it, it's here. It's feast week as well. It's just uh, it's a great week for sports, honestly. It is feast week, so that's why I'm very excited today. Later tonight, uh, later today, actually, um, UNLV, the team that I cover part-time out here, is going to take on Florida State. Rebels are actually uh, pretty good, actually. The UNLV's having a moment. Football keeps winning. Basketball yep. might actually be kind of good this year, so be pretty exciting to watch that. They're out there on Daytona Beach uh, to check that tournament out. And Feast Week is awesome because you get basketball all day, every day. And then you get the games like Friday and college football is going to be awesome. So it's a very good week. It's a very good week for food. Uh, I feel like I want to go like food themed throughout the week. So I'll ask you, I think, did I mention on the pod what I'm trying for the first time this uh, this Thanksgiving? I don't think so. I'm, I'm deep frying a turkey for the first time this okay. Thanksgiving. That's so dangerous. Have you ever done that? I've heard it's, I've heard it's dangerous. Okay. <laughs> I haven't Let's done go. it. I, I've, I've heard and watched many videos, so I'm taking many precautions. I'm studying. I'm doing everything I possibly can. Um, we're risking my mom's house, not our apartment. We're going to go to my mom's <laughs> to do this. Good, yeah, good um, but one of the things that I found out the other day, our producer, Caesar, uh, who works for us on um, the weekends, I did not know that peanut oil was so expensive. Oh. Uh, apparently, so this thing I got in front of me is three gallons. I got three gallons of peanut oil. Uh, like that's, I guess, about this, the amount that you need. Uh, I'm looking to my left, even, yes, I'm in my recording room, but I have it all, pa- I have it unpackaged over here. Um, but apparently it's like over a hundred dollars for like oh three to God. four gallons of peanut oil. I had no idea. This was all given to me as a gift. So I was like, holy smokes. I had no idea. <laughs> Do you wish you just bought a turkey somewhere now? Or is, uh, it, is it about the act? It's about the act, right? You yeah, no, it's about it. the act. So like this is, was given to me for my birthday. So it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, all right, now I have to, especially now that I know how much the peanut oil costs. <laughs> So I'm going to do that. I got to find a small turkey. And I'm also going to make for the first time cornbread stuffing, or as they call it in the oh. South, cornbread dressing. So That sounds good. I, I am a huge, huge fan of like the Thanksgiving sides. I, I don't even really yes. care about the turkey. Like I want it on the plate for some reason, even though I don't mind. I don't really care about it, but the sides are unbelievable. Oh, turkey sucks. It like baked turkey is dry. It's, it's not flavorful. That's why I want to try deep fry it. See if maybe there's a little bit of a difference there. What's your, do you cook? What's your specialty? Oh, I don't cook. I usually like my parents do a good one in New York, but ever since I moved out to Arizona, I've been going and getting like a pre-made Thanksgiving meal somewhere because my in-laws and my wife do not really do Thanksgiving food. Really? Yeah. I'll wow, be the only, kind of boring. I, I, actually her, her dad does. So we're both going to be eating Thanksgiving food and then they're going to be eating like mini hot dogs. Apparently. Wow. That's <laughs> terrible. What a day. Oh. Yeah. 
Oh man, it'll be odd. At least, at least to be able to watch football. That sounds uh, <laughs> yeah. sounds very depressing. Uh, all right, so we have a weekend of basketball that is behind us. We've got a full week of basketball, a full day of basketball in front of us. Before we move on to what the slate is going to be, as I usually ask you on this day, anything from the weekend stick out to one Zach Cohen? Uh, I guess a few things. I mean, the Thunder just look incredible. I, yes. I know that there was some hesitation, I think, from you know pro betters and things like that to take the over 45 and a half on their season win total this year. Um, but, you know, Chet has been so much better than expected that it's it's happening sooner than we thought. This is a team that, you know, looks ready to give anyone a run for its money in the Western Conference. Um, I think I, I texted it to you over the weekend, Chet, uh, 10th in the league in estimated plus minus. I mean, looking like an all NBA player. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, obviously, already a star. And then the other one I guess I have is the, uh, the Sacramento Kings are playing some really good basketball ever since De'Aaron Fox is back. And I feel like I've been watching them every night just because it's so fun to watch. them. <laughs> yep. Uh, yes, they are. Um, and he is absolutely phenomenal. And I think I'm going to end up being wrong at a win total on them under. Um, and they look like they are playing the part pretty well. We'll see. That little slump that they went through might, might make the difference for me, which kind of helped. But to your point, uh, with Sacramento, or excuse me, with De'Aaron Fox on the floor, what do I got for them? He They are 6-1 and one straight up and against the spread when he plays this season. So uh, he has been a very big difference maker for that team. And actually, what I wanted to bring up was something to do with the Sacramento Kings. You said you've been watching them a lot. Did, so you watched their game on Friday night against the San Antonio Spurs. Yep. And you watched how that ended. Well, I, oh, was that the uh, the Kevin Herter? The bucket at the end of the game? Yes. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> so, and, and I think, did they not? I, I I believe the reasoning behind that was point differential, correct, in the in-season tournament. I think that's exactly I, why they went for that bucket. I think so. I, I hate that the point differential matters, but I guess something has to matter. So, I don't yep. know. But, but I just I wanted to bring that up because... For those who are wondering, like we've we've talked a lot about the sin season tournament and why it matters and players care, blah, 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 blah. And we are seeing more and more, we are hearing more and more, but we are also seeing more and more, I think, that these players do care and that it actually does mean something to them. And guys like Jimmy Butler can make their faces, but when you have like Damian Lillard say he wants to win the money for his teammates, when you have the Kings express at the end of a game, like, hey, no, like we we wanted to score with that time left because those two points could matter in group play. When you have your Phoenix Suns after they beat the Utah Jazz and Frank Vogel runs into the I, locker room is like, we still got a shot at this. Like <laughs> they they seem to actually kind of care. I think this actually is kind of working out from a hey, the players, the teams, the coaches are putting some effort into trying to win this thing. Yeah, it's funny you brought up the Vogel thing because I didn't think anybody would see it but me. But yeah, he was like pumped up after that game. And you know, it's a it's a win over the Utah Jazz in the regular season, but it was a big win. I mean, they're 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 back in it. So yeah, these yep. they definitely do care. It's been fun to watch. Yep. So I thought that was awesome. And of course, a, a terrible beat there if you, if you had it, if uh, Kevin Herter screwed you over uh, 129-120 final. But I thought that definitely stuck out. I didn't get to watch much outside of that this weekend with a ton of football duties. Uh, I will say one of the things that does stick out yet again, this was from um, Saturday because I did get to watch a little bit of it. I want to get this number exactly right with where we're at right now. Um, but let's see right now. Where are you at? Where are you at? Here we go. Um, still 23rd in the league in defensive efficiency. The Bucks don't seem to be getting much better on that end of the floor. Charlotte on Friday night got off to a pretty hot start against them and, and made them look a little foolish on that end. They ultimately won that game by margin, but Dallas looked good against them. And I like it's the sample size is growing that Milwaukee is a bad defensive team. We're going to see him tonight against Washington, but I don't see any signs of growth from them on that end. 
Yeah, it's been really bad. I mean, they've won four in a row, which is going to happen just because they're going to be so good offensively. But I am concerned about their defense as they get into the playoffs and play teams that are good on both sides of the ball. It's going to be a problem. All right, let's move on. We've got a couple of games up on the card today, and they're good ones. So we start at the top. The Denver Nuggets taking on the Detroit Pistons. Denver, currently a nine-point favorite, total of 224.5. DraftKings opened this total really low, 219.5. So we're up five points from their opener. Um, not really too much of a move off of the opening line, which is eight and a half. I don't think it happens today, uh, but Frank Vogel did express that uh, we could see one Jamal Murray back on this road trip for the Denver Nuggets. So that's something to watch throughout this road trip. Again, doesn't don't think it happens today here on the second league of back-to-back against Detroit. And speaking of Detroit, uh, oh boy, uh, it has not gone well for the Detroit Pistons. I think it is now, what, 11 straight losses for Detroit. Our guy, Asar Thompson, uh, two okay games. It's going to happen. Uh, but this team has not been performing well. And of those 11 games that they have lost, they've only covered three. So they haven't really seen much life from the Detroit Pistons. And the life was beaten out of them last night. 142 to 113. When you're giving up 142 points to the Raptors, you're not in a good spot. I didn't have much here. I think it's kind of easy to come in and lay it with Denver, considering how bad the Pistons have been. But we're getting to the point where maybe the market's probably at an all-time low for Detroit. So you're kind of playing with fire going against them. Yeah, I don't have anything here, but I would say more concerning for Asar is that he was benched at one of the games, and Monty after the game was saying, like, you know, Monty's he's not making – Yeah, <laughs> he's really hard on the young guys, and it's like it's a team of all young guys, so it's going to yep. be interesting to watch for sure. I, I have seen a lot of doom and gloom surrounding the Pistons, but it's still – you know, if I were a Pistons fan, I'd still be excited just because the young talent is, is really outrageous. Right, and uh, that is, it's a good dynamic to bring up with, uh, with Asar Thompson and his Rookie of the Year campaign, only in that, like – he did this to DeAndre Ayton, right, Monty Williams? Where it's like, eh, all right, like at some point you can kind of chill here. And with the Sar Thompson, he had 21 and 8 the other night. And then like to get benched within the next game is, yeah. is a little ridiculous given how well he's played up to this point. So you wonder how that dynamic kind of works out. Because like you said, he's kind of a hard ass and it's a bunch of young players. And if you're going to consistently just give a kid who is averaging a double-double, right, and is one of the better rookies statistically, if you're going to bench him after a bad performance, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, also it's like he apparently doesn't like Jaden Ivey because he's not good defensively, but then you're going to bench Asar Thompson, who's like your best defender on the perimeter. It's it's not really consistent there. I mean, I under I understand he's, he's turning down shots and making the wrong reads offensively, but I don't know, just tell him to shoot. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't bench I, like, your best defender. At some point, you're going to run out of players. You're going to be you're going to be playing a three on, you know what I mean? Five yeah. on three because you're just benching everybody and not giving them a shot. All right, next up, Boston Celtics on the road against the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets catching nine at home with a total of 232 and a half. Uh, I actually did have something here. I bet a player prop, but did you have anything from a side or total perspective in this game? I didn't have anything here, but I do have a slight lean to the Hornets. I think that if it were to get up to, you know, nine and a half, I'd play it. Okay. So we haven't seen, and this is the worry about betting this this early, but this is uh, this is my thought. I don't think we're going to see any key personnel get rested here for the Boston Celtics. Uh, famous last words. So I actually went under LaMelo Ball, 40 and a half points, rebounds, and assists for this game. The number is pretty high, but LaMelo Ball has been incredible, and it's hard to deny that. So we're kind of at this point where I'm just trying to bet like bet against the market high here for LaMelo. But for anybody who has not been keeping track of him over the last seven games, 31.4 points, 6.1 rebounds, 8.1 assists, shooting 49% from the floor, 44% 
from beyond the arc. There's been no team that's had an answer for him over this stretch. And I've watched quite a few of those games, one of those weird stretches where I've just watched quite a bit of Charlotte Hornets basketball. He's been great. And he looks like he is in the midst of a, a really strong season. Going back to what we talked about, maybe I think should be considered for most improved because his efficiency numbers are through the roof during the seven game stretch. But he also hasn't faced any defenders, on-ball defenders, like he's going to face here, you'd assume, and Drew Holiday and Derek White. And if he gets onto a different matchup, there's many guys who can handle him outside of Kristaps Porzingis. I feel like this is one where, with the market so high, 40 and a half, shaded to the over at minus 125, felt like a small dog price to come in here against a good defensive team to at least keep him under that number. Because the other part, Zach, was if you look at his numbers during this run, he's been going over his point total props, but his rebounds and his assists have not been as consistent. So I figured pulling those together, betting it under, I, I think you're going to have a little bit more of a down performance in comparison with what you've had over the last couple of uh, over the last couple of games. Yeah, I love that. I mean, the point you just made about White and Holiday, I mean, he's going to be in jail all night. So, like, yep. there are going to be opportunities for him because he gets out in transition and just kind of runs and plays at his own pace. But it will be a tough game for him. And I haven't seen the numbers yet, but I would similarly be looking to, like, Derek White over points or Derek White over threes because – ball still gets lost out there defensively. Like there are going to be opportunities for both Derek White and Drew Holiday to score on the other end of the floor. Yep. I wanted to bring up here too. Is this, we're kind of getting in, like we're still in small sample size season. So maybe something means something, maybe it doesn't. What have you made of the Celtics? I, I think they're, it's, I don't, they're not road woes because they're six and two on the road, but they are two, four and two straight, or excuse me, against the spread on the road. They haven't been covering with consistency. What do you make of them just failing to cover away from home? Do you think this is just the market overvaluing them? What do you make of eight games and only two covers for them on the road? I think it might be the market overvaluing them because I think while they're, you know, they're 11 and two, they're first in net rating. It's still a team that like mostly is going to win games with like grit and defense and just kind of like playing the right way and finding a way to edge you out at the end of a game. It's not really, you know, an offensive juggernaut in the way that's going to just run away with a game. So I think that I can expect sloppy wins moving forward. I don't think it's the type of team that's going to blow anyone out. Yeah. Last two wins, right? I mean, Toronto, you didn't cover there, but you went out there and you, and you won the game outright. Um, and then of course, last night against Milwaukee, or excuse me, against uh, Memphis, where you needed a Kristaps uh, Porzingis block and or foul uh, at the end of that game to potentially beat or to, you know, to beat the Grizzlies. So, all right, bet that LaMelo ball under 40 and a half points, rebounds and assists. I just checked before he came on to, it's still available at minus 105. So I think that's worth playing up to about minus 120. Next up, Milwaukee Bucks and Washington Wizards. Bucks laying nine and a half on the road, total of 245. So that's bet up from the opener of 242. Some spots open to 240. I am at times, Zach, tempted to look at Washington and go, they're good enough offensively to stay within some big numbers, but then they don't. And so I can't like, I can't get burned like that. Again, I, I played the fire, thought about doing it against Dallas the other night. They got smoked. I, I think Milwaukee's bad enough that again, like in transition defense, you're going to allow them to stick around this big number, but I can't realistically bet on Washington and watch this and, and ask them to stick around inside this nine and a half. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like I just don't trust Washington at this point. They're every bit as bad as we thought. And it's almost, worse because Jordan Poole isn't even playing well offensively like he's just not doing anything out there right uh it's just a really bad team and the Bucks should be able to look somewhat decent against them defensively and if they can't that's more saying a lot about where they are right now yeah it's a big one and uh in terms of injury reports pretty clean for both teams um in, unless you know you're a big Marjan Beauchamp guy um and uh, Chris Levington, Jay Crowder are not available for Milwaukee. Washington, Johnny Davis is questionable. DeLon writes out, so nothing worth altering the number for. 
we'll see if anything comes of it. But uh, a non-sexy game, I'll tell you that much. I, I did uh, have but, a best bet in the game. I, I mean, I took but, Malik Beasley over nine and a half oh, points. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's the matchup that you dream of if you're an off-ball shooter. I mean, the Wizards play at the second highest fast uh, – second fastest pace in the league. Uh, they're one of the worst teams in the league defensively. They don't guard the three ball particularly well. I know that the kind of first instinct is to look at Damian Lillard or Giannis Antetokounmpo when you're looking for a player prop against a bad team. But I think Beasley, you know, is playing at least 30 minutes a night the last three games. He's been shooting, I think he's like at 46% from three or something. So I don't know. I think he's going to have opportunities in this game, both with his three and in transition. So I think that's a really low number. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, All right. Next up. Now I'm going to use a fancy new thing. Got some drama here going on. Just let it play. It's a sad moment. We've had a lot of friendship parlays. <laughs> had a lot of copacetic thoughts, but not today. <laughs> head to head. Timberwolves, Knicks. Zach Cohen's on the Knicks. I'm on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Zach, make your case. So I got it at three and a half. It's now down to three and two and a half in most places. I would still play it at three. I just kind of think that these are both really good defensive teams, but I kind of give the edge to the Knicks offensively in terms of just half-court execution. Um, The Knicks have been a really good road team against the spread over the last two years, so I don't think that the home court's going to matter too much for Minnesota. And I noted it in my column, like Rudy Gobert has been a monster on the glass. I don't think that's going to show itself much against Mitchell Robinson, who's been great this year for the Knicks. And I just kind of see this being a game where Jalen Brunson's offense stands out a little bit. I don't think, you know, Conley is really going to be able to guard him, especially like in the mid post area. And I think that quickly is just juice off the bench is going to matter a little bit here. And it's really going to come down to me for, you know, if guys like Grimes and Barrett are hitting open shots, I don't know if I trust them that much, but it just feels like I'd rather have the points in a game that I do think will end up being really close. Yeah. And for New York, um, I want to make sure we get this. Uh, Quentin Grimes is questionable to play. It sounds like it's a positive-ish questionable, so we'll see if that um, if he comes and plays. Evan Fournier, whatever you want to do with that, doesn't matter. Um, I, so here, I, I actually I, I agree and echo with everything you're saying with this matchup. For me, it was a couple of things here uh, while looking at Minnesota. Uh, first of which is you mentioned the Knicks, um, the Knicks offense, and they've been on a really, really good run offensively. And actually, they're just in a really good run in general. Six and two straight up, seven and one against the spread in their last eight games. And they've outscored opponents by 8.2 points per 100 possessions. They've covered by seven points per game. Six of their eight opponents, though, during the run, they're ranked 20th or worst in non-garbage time defensive efficiency. Charlotte, Washington, San Antonio, Charlotte, who they played twice, all ranked 27th or lower. So I'm kind of trying to fight back against that a little bit, thinking like, ah, you know what, maybe the offense isn't that good. Maybe they've just had a good stretch of opponents and that this is going to make a massive difference facing a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves. Also think the scheduling situation benefits Minnesota as well. They're back home. They just finished up a five-game road trip. New York's playing its third game in four nights. They're on the final game of a five-game road trip here today, too. They also have coming up – I had this circled. I think this is them. Let me double-check because uh, I did not write this down in my notes. They have Zach. Yeah, they've got three days off coming up after this. So regardless of the result today – I would very much circle November 24th coming up later this week against the uh, Miami Heat because they're going to be back home after three or four days off just getting ready and practicing for Miami. Good call. So it's going to be something to watch there. But I kind of figure just situation, you know, playing against what they've done here because I think the level of opponent hasn't been that great. Big step up in competition. Uh, in Minnesota themselves, uh, when we have seen them play, 
especially uh, when you watch them play at home. Very good. 5-0 and straight up, 5-0 and against the spread. I think coming home is a pretty good spot here for the Timberwolves. So may the best Betor win. You know what's interesting, too? I wrote this up at three and a half, and I used this service called the Fox Sheets for for trends, which is, you know, there's we have some of these as well. But yeah. um, once it moved down to three, uh, the Knicks are 60 and 33 against the spread when the line is plus three to minus three under Tom Thibodeau, just a team that covers regularly in games that yeah. are expected to be close. It's, it's pretty interesting. I, and I still think as much as I am a fan of Chris Finch, I don't know if I would give him the edge over Tom Thibodeau just yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's so funny because I have a lot of issues with Thibodeau, but there are some things he does so well. So <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, let's take our break here. When we come back, I've got another bet to, to discuss. Sacramento on the road against the New Orleans Pelicans. Sacktown playing some good basketball, but does that end tonight? We'll find out. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Back here on Harvard Handicappers, Sacramento Kings on the road against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, This is the third bet of the day for me, Zach. Pelicans, money line, got it at even money. I think it's playable to a small minus price of about minus 120 or so. And look, Sacramento is playing awesome basketball. We've talked a little bit about that, right? Six and one straight up and against the spread when Fox, with Fox on the floor. They have won their last six games. They've covered five of those. Uh, and De'Aaron Fox back from injury in those four games since he's been back from injury. They've outscored opponents by 10.1 points per 100 possessions. But the last three games, we've kind of seen the Pelicans wake up a little bit here, right? They're two and one straight up. They've covered all three games. They have been much better on offense, an offense rating of 120.4. And one of those games came against Minnesota, a good defensive team where you actually finally started to show some of the prowess that you have. And on top of this, uh, not only are you catching Sacramento on the second leg of a back-to-back, and I believe the third game in four nights for them as well. Yeah, it's third game of four nights, second leg of a back-to-back. You're also getting a little bit healthier. It sounds like Jose Alvarado is going to be available tonight. So he might be making his season debut. Now, I don't expect 45 minutes from Jose Alvarado, 
Uh, he is a backup guard, but another good, solid defensive piece to especially go out there in those bench minutes against Malik Monk to put him out there and feel comfortable with somebody against that backup unit I think is pretty good. I'm just buying in the vibes here for New Orleans, and I, I do think I think Sacramento's good. Again, I don't know how much you want to account for home court. I think it's from two to three points now at this point right now, um, but even if you're in like about a two and a half, I don't know if there's this big of a gap between Sacramento and, and New Orleans. So given the schedule, given the situation, given the way the Pelicans have been playing, decided to take my shot in a small money line price. Yeah, and I will say this. I don't have anything in this game, and I did just come on here and praise the Kings, but you know they're top 10 in defensive rating right now after being like 25th last year, and that's there's, you know, they're with really no personnel changes. Like, I don't see it lasting. So I think they're going to fade back into the 15 to 20 range at some point this year. So yep. I do see, you know, a, a stretch coming where maybe they play a little bit poorly. And this is a matchup that is, you know, very even. So I like that call. Yeah. No, I mean, if you, you look at their last few games, I think it does speak to that, right? I mean, Dallas, uh, they had, there was a high-scoring affair with Dallas. That game uh, ended up going under, but it was a total of 246. They gave up 120 points to San Antonio, 120 to Cleveland in a big win, but they just outscored them 132 to 120. So you've seen little blips on the radar here with this defense, and I think that's going to be something. And I, I even think from a personnel standpoint, who are you using to guard? You can probably use Harrison Barnes to defend Brandon Ingram. I don't know what you're doing with Zion Williamson personnel wise, right? Like you can, if it's Devonta Sabonis, if it's Barnes, but if it's Barnes, then who in the world are you putting on Brandon Ingram? I think these matchups just create a little bit of a, a chess mismatch there uh, for the Sacramento Kings to kind of deal with. And having a big gl- like galoot, like a Jonas Valanciunas, who like rebounds and has the interior presence outside of what Sabonis is used to kind of defending on a night to night basis. I think all of those kind of come together to give them a pretty good matchup on the floor, you know? Yeah, and Sabonis has been so good lately, but Valanciunas yeah, is. is going to tire him out by the end of this game. He's going to be beating him up in the post. That's right. Good, good. <laughs> All right. After the uh, dramatic, dramatic breakdown of Knicks Timberwolves, it's good to be on the same page here. Will you watch any second of Miami Chicago later today? Um, 90s basketball fans have to be like hyped, right? Miami <laughs> Heat, a one and a half point favorite with a total of 208 and a half against Chicago. I will not watch it. But I do think that the Heat are a pretty good play at minus one. I mean, I, got, I was on the wrong side of this the other night. I thought that the Heat were going to beat them. Uh, they ended up just falling apart from quarters two to four. But I do think that Miami is just a better team with a little bit more cohesion. And I, I don't I don't know. Like, there's this Chicago team is not going to win games with, with all this going on behind the scenes. I know that they did last time, but there was that weird spat between Donovan and Levine off the court. I, I don't know. There's just uh, – there's too much to like about Miami and too much to hate about Chicago to not want to play the Heat at minus one on the road. Up 20 to one in the first quarter. Actually, no, excuse me, 22 to one in the first quarter against Chicago on Saturday night, and they ended up losing that game. I, I had the Heat minus two and a half. They were up 22 to one, and I had the you Spurs. Turned Spurs, it off, right? I had the Spurs money line over, I think it was the Grizzlies. They were up 17 at halftime, both lost. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would know. be pissed. They, and the Bulls, like, we were starting to see at least against competent offensive opponents. It's not it's not looking great, right? We, you know, the two games against Orlando, this last game against Miami, this offense looks just disjointed. It looks like there's no flow to it, and there's no shooting. They barely shoot as it is. It's a pretty ugly thing. And actually, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world, 208 and a half. I know that there's probably some people out there like, you know, we're getting too low here. I don't know if that's the case, man, watching them play these last three or four games. There's no such thing as too low. If you're watching Iowa football and taking yep. unders, you're, you're cashing like it's it's just a number. I mean, if it's, they're two bad offenses and two good defenses, just take it. 
Yep, I would agree with that. All right, two more games to get to. Los Angeles Clippers, San Antonio Spurs. Clippers open up as a seven-point favorite. That up to eight and a half, 230 and a half is your current total here. Injury report, always key for the Los Angeles Clippers. And I don't actually see anything being reported for L.A. So I think we're getting – double-check here. I, think, I can't find it. Here we go. Okay. Uh, yep, Mason Plumlee, the only one of note – and for the San Antonio Spurs, the name to uh, circle, Devin Vassell, probably still out, considered doubtful. So that is a big blow for San Antonio. And we know with this team as well, uh, defensively for the San Antonio Spurs, it has not gone particularly well. A team that is uh, ripping off overs left and right because they have been that bad. Now 11-2 and two to the over this season. They have lost now, how many is it, Zach? Seven or eight in a row? Haven't covered a single one of them. Weird with the rookie of the year that you can't cover <laughs> a number or, or win a game. Interesting. Uh, what do you make of this? And, and what'd you make of the Los Angeles Clippers finally getting the uh, the piano off of the back and getting a win despite the fact that they did not cover against Houston the other night? I call it the last five, six minutes of that game. Uh, it had kind of been getting away, I think, from the Clippers at that point, but then Harden hit that big M1 from three. Um, I don't know. Like this, this is a game where I would really expect Los Angeles to blow out San Antonio. I know you just mentioned you know, the Spurs are the worst team in the league defensively. It's not much better offensively. They're like 29th in the league in adjusted uh, offensive rating, too. It's it's a really, really bad team, which they're making worse, in my opinion, by playing Sohan at the one. Uh, it just is not a fit whatsoever. And, yep. yeah, I mean, like the Clippers, they're going to need these wins. They're going to need to start stacking some wins soon. So it's not like they're going to not, you know, show effort in these coming weeks. So I do think this is a game that they should – really get away with. And I think that the Clippers are going to be a much better team now that Westbrook's on the bench. That was that was the move that needed to be made. And he's the hero now for suggesting it. So. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, you make that move and then you win your first game with him, right? Like there is something that it, there is something to having a little bit more spacing and a little bit more shooting on the floor when yeah. Russell Westbrook's not out there. And yeah, and, and by the way, everyone in the world wants to say James Harden's like the worst teammate in the world. Well, Kawhi Leonard certainly got pretty pumped up for him after he hit that three. I saw him jump out of his shoes and like pump his fist like he just won the NBA Finals. He was really ecstatic after that. And you don't yep. see that from Kawhi, so he clearly likes having him. And I think you and I have discussed this before, I think, right? Like the overblown nature of like the perception of Harden is much worse from people like us, right, outside of the league than it is, I think, inside the league. Yeah. He, I mean, like a casual fan thinks that he's like the worst person to exist, but everyone yep. that's ever played with him enjoys playing with him. They all like him off the court. So here's a small sample size number that you should uh, keep in mind. If you're an NBA better, James Harden, Terrence Mann, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Vita Zubac, their starting lineup for the other night, a plus 37.1 net rating and an offensive rating of 119.4. Like that's, it just works better. Yeah. And when you look at the numbers with James Harden and Terrence Mann on the floor together without Russell Westbrook, it's still a negative, but it's much better than what it's been. A negative 1.1 net rating, fewer than 150 possessions. That's only going to get better. Um, and if you look at some other ones too, like there's just, there's a lot of positive lineups statistically for this team. Really what happens with that net rating is it's weighed down. I'll put it this way. The two most used lineups with James Harden and Terrence Mann on the floor without Russell Westbrook, a plus 37.1 net rating and a plus 21 net rating. So really small sample sizes, but little tiny positive signs of growth. That's why like people kept asking me like, Oh, I bet you regret this. Like, no, it's like, they're going to, they're going to get through it. It's yeah. 82 games people. Like I think they're going to have time to work this thing out. And, and I think most people knew too, that it was, it was just a matter of when they went to the Westbrook to the bench. Like it's, yep. it's just wasn't going to work with, you know, Zubots and Westbrook. It's not enough spacing. Like it's, it's, it was going to be fine. It was just a matter of time. There are people who think Robert Sala was being told from above, you have to play Zach Wilson. 
I think somebody was telling Ty Lue you have to play Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden together. It just because it just didn't make sense, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, you, he's a he's a bad coach." No, Tyler's actually a really good coach. Yeah, I think he understands amazing. what's going on here. He's also one of the few coaches that has a lot of exterior dynamics that he has to deal with, yep. including Kawhi Leonard or whatever's been going on with him, Steve Ballmer, all this kind of stuff. And I think finally, after the first few games, he got to go see. Can we do what I want to do now? And can we actually get this stump to this whatever done? I was about to curse. Um, and um, I think we're probably going to start to see a better effort from him moving forward. Definitely. I, I think that there was something to, you know, Westbrook signing over the summer and probably thinking he was going to be a starter. Yeah, sure. Make it work. And then after that, just tell him, Russ, like, look, man, it's just, it's not working. It's not your fault, yeah. but it's just not, it's just not driving. And we're going to be at your best when you're out there on the floor with the backups and, and running it. And we're still going to stagger minutes. You're still going to play with Kawhi. You're still going to play with, uh, with PG. And then maybe you don't close out games. Who knows? But we'll see. All right, last one. I know you got something here. Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors. Warriors, a seven-point favorite. Total is sitting at 220. It opened up 221. We're down to like 219 and a half in some spots, but 220 is the predominant number. Uh, Zach, what do you got in this matchup tonight? The one that I'm actually the most excited to watch tonight. I was really close to taking the like – like last night, I think I would have taken the Warriors because the schedule spot for the Rockets isn't great with them having played last night, you know, three nights ago. Uh, just, you know, playing back-to-back road games is never easy. But at the same time, like what we've seen from the Warriors without Draymond has been dreadful. In the last two games, they've given up a total of 258 points. The Thunder shot at least 50% from the floor in both of those games. I just don't think this is a good team without Draymond Green defensively. And offensively, it's like, you know, the the Rockets are going to try to the best of their ability to force the ball out of Steph's hands. And that has not been good for the Warriors this season. Like the other guys are not stepping up and making shots. I don't know, like like seven and a half got to a point where I was like, this Rockets team could cover that number. They play hard every night. They're good defensively. Their offense is not going to look as bad against this version of the Golden State defense. It just – kind of felt like too much and they're eight no against the spread since the start of November. Yep. I would agree with, uh, I would agree with all that. I've been very surprised. I haven't been able to watch enough of the Rockets. That's why I'm excited tonight to watch this thing. Um, because I definitely want to see what they have. I haven't been able to watch them up close as much as I would want to. So all the, all of the games that they play feel like playoff games, which is really fun. So yeah, yeah. I mean, they are at least there. What's the word I'm looking for there. We talked about this during the off season, you figured that their personnel and their coaching hire of Ime Udoka would bring them to a point where they're going to be average defensively. Well, they're better than that. They're above average defensively. And while their offense still isn't really great, it it has still led to this team being a very good team. To be sixth in net rating despite having the 17th best offensive rating speaks to how good they've been defensively. And they're going to continue to play that. They just have the personnel for it. They got the coaching staff for it. So it looks like a lot of people are going to be, I think Matt Ewan's had it. I don't know if you have the over on their win total. I do have the over, yeah. Yep. So it looks like a lot of people are going to be made happy by that because I think this does look like a team that's like, you know, play in, solidly play in, maybe, maybe flirting with like a six seed. Yeah. And I like, I love the mentality of the young players right now. Like, Like Jabari Smith the other night was benched for Jeff Green. And they asked him after the game, like, like, what were your thoughts on that? And he's like, I don't care. Like, we won. And now I got to see, you know, what Jeff did. Like, I could do better next time. So, and then the next game he came out, played over 30 minutes in both games, I think. So, it's just a well-coached team, and they're learning the right way. Really quick, before we get out of here, I forgot to bring this up with Clipper Spurs, so I'll rewind really quickly. This is the time – we were texting about this. This is the time to bet the field against Wembenyama, right? Like, this is – I think this is has a lot more to do with liability. I think if you're really watching – 
Like you cannot honestly say if you are a voter that Wembanyama has been the best rookie. And I actually think if you look at it statistically, as I am again biased, I don't think you can say he's been the third best rookie. Like I, I think no. when you look at this right now, to get plus price on the field is way more than worth it. Yeah, and, and even like Chet at plus two fifty. I mean, like the only thing that I think is working against Chet at this point is narrative and a potential injury. But in terms of like what the price should be, like I said it at the time, like Chet should have been the one that was had minus money next to it. And I do think that with what we've seen so far, like Chet should be the one that's minus two thirty, and Wembenyama should be plus two fifty. So I think yep. you're getting a really good price on Chet still, just because of this you know name that we have at the top, but. You know, the advanced stats are are telling a completely different story. And, you know, it's going to get to a point where the voters are going to see that and hear about that. It's going to get overwhelming. Like, these guys don't want to look bad on their ballots. Like, we saw yeah. Mark Jackson got called out last year for, for a really bad uh, voting decision. I forgot what it was. But I think he played players like out of position or something. But these guys get called out when they're really wrong. And as of right now, anybody that doesn't have Chet is very wrong. Perception is a crazy thing. I was, and this is, we'll get out of here on this, but this is, hopefully this is not representative of the people who vote for these awards. Um, where was I? What was I on? I was surfing through, I think it was a TikTok, and there was like a Wembanyama like highlight or something like that that came up. And I was looking through the comments and somebody was, a rookie of the year conversation had erupted in the comments. And like somebody was like, oh, Wembenyama clears Holmgren. His numbers are way better. And like everybody was, they were, for, shockingly enough, there was like 20, 10 people like, bro, are you looking? Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? And then the guy even came back. He was like, oh, yeah, my bad. I just looked. Like, you know, yeah. like there's this perception that he is way better, head and shoulders above. And physically, he's head and shoulders above the competition, but not here in the actual matchup, like in terms of the way he's played. And again, I will say it. And I, I, I think there will be a lot of people who agree. If you remove the names and I gave you the resumes, I think a lot of people would pick Asar Thompson as being the better rookie than Victor Wemanyama at this point. Yep. And like I will say, like as annoying as it is, like that offensive explosion from Chet the other night where he hit the the, the game tying three. Now he's back at the top of the conversation because it was because it was offense and that's all people care about. But yes. <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty obnoxious. You should. Uh, uh, you should. You should notice. You should note that you. We. Me and uh, Kelly. We noted to everybody that Shangun plus sixteen hundred was a play oh. of yours. He's now plus twelve hundred. So yes, yes. So that's the other thing too. And I'll say this. So he's got the. Uh, he's got the numbers to back this up. And uh, by the way, yes, I, I appreciate that. I did listen. I was off on Friday, and uh, you guys said very nice things about me, and I appreciate it. Um, you also mentioned that I was a psychopath that just refuses to not stop working. So that was. Uh, we didn't you know, say my first word. Yeah, my wife heard that. She's like, yeah, you should listen to them. Uh, anyway, so the case for Shingun, if you look at it, for anybody just joining us, so points per game up from 14.8 to 20, uh, field goal percentage from 55 to 59. To me, the big statistic, though, that's going to get him, and the other thing is basketball nerds love him. There are always players, right, that these nerds out there that write all these think pieces really try to focus on because they're trying to be hipsters, right? Like, I was around and I liked Shengun before. You know who it was before? You all look like morons. Uh, Alexa Pokashevsky for the Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder. I remember reading like 10 think pieces about how Alexa Pokashevsky was going to be like the next big thing. He's not. Uh, but Shengun might. And I wrote this, I wrote, I read this really big feature on Shengun the other day over at the Ringer. And I was like, you know what? He's so freaking good. He's been great. And his assist numbers are way up, right? At least from where they were last year to the point where he's getting the, can he be the next Nikola Jokic? And I think a lot of people are, have shifted. I think people think he might be the best young player on the Rockets, not Jalen Green. 
and I, when we get to most improved and the time to decide, he's going to be up there because he is a guy who basketball nerds love. He's going to have the narrative and he's going to have the numbers to back that up. And it's not just scoring. It's scoring efficiency and assists. Like those are things that I think people are really going to gravitate towards. Yeah, he really is like a mini Jokic is what he is. I mean, he doesn't have the size to like bang with everyone. But yeah, I mean, like the numbers he puts up are outrageous. Last night I was watching him kind of go toe-to-toe with those Lakers guys. He took LeBron into the paint and tied the game up with a really nice move at the end of the game. He's fearless. He's he's like their hub offensively. Uh, as long as they continue to do good things, he'll be on the radar. So yeah, that was a really good bet. Box plus minus last year, 1.4 for Shangun. This year, 6.7. Wow. If that's not improved, <laughs> I don't know what is. But also, um, Tyrese Maxey, BPM 0.6 last year, 6.7 this year. So yep. uh, there are some good candidates. But at the very least, Shingun should be considered among the favorites. All right, that's it. Anything else? You got you to wrap on anything? You want any final thoughts? Uh, you know, whatever you want. You can go wherever I'll just, you want. I'll just throw into the conversation that Scotty Barnes, I think, is still alive and most improved yes. player for sure. He's, he's uh, sixth in the league in EPM. So he's been tremendous. Yes, I think it's the bottom line is there's a lot of good candidates and it's going to come down to the wire. But I think, would you say it's probably fair? We're starting to kind of see in a lot in a couple of these awards, I'll, I'll call them dotted lines. We're starting to kind of see dotted lines drawn of, okay, these seem to be the legitimate contenders. And then there's everybody else. And like for most improved player, I think we're talking about Tyrese Maxey, Scotty Barnes. Alper and Shingun. It was going to be Thomas for a while, but then he got injured. He could certainly make his way back into that conversation. But I think that's kind of around the dotted line that you're drawing. Like those three, three and a half players are probably where we're at for most improved right now. And I always say dotted because it's never hard. There's plenty of time for somebody to jump back into that conversation. Yeah. And the odds are kind of telling you the same story. The only one that's close to those four is Cade Cunningham. And I kind of can't see him winning it as long as the Pistons continue to struggle like this. Well, he's been he's uh, he hasn't been scoring either. That's the other thing. Yep. His scoring numbers have been down, and it's only been like three or four games, but um, it has not been as consistent. And I think that's really it. Like when you look at it, rookie of the year, the dotted line seems to be Asar Thompson with yep. Wembanyama and Holmgren. Um, as we talked about, most improved coach of the year is going to be wide open for forever. Who the hell knows? And for sixth man of the year, I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of a weak group. Um, Russell Westbrook could be there, but like Tim Hardaway Jr. is your favorite at plus 310. This thing's wide open. I know we talked about that. And for Defensive Player of the Year, uh, congrats on calling this. We talked about this quite a bit. Rudy Gobert, the favorite now to win Defensive Player of the Year at 5-1, to one, just ahead of Anthony Davis. So that makes a lot of sense that uh, Rudy Gobert is going to be up there. So grab yeah. him at 10-1, to one, good for you. Let's do it. And they still have Jackson Jr. at fourth, which I think is ridiculous. I mean, they yes. just don't want to be, they don't want to feel wrong. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, with that, by the way, uh, Brooke Lopez, Giannis Antetokounmpo, two members of a defense that currently ranks twenty fourth in the NBA, uh, are on the Defensive Player of the Year list. Doesn't make sense. Uh, with that, like, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, we're going to be here throughout the week, save for Thanksgiving. I don't even think there's games on Thanksgiving. No. Usually, the NBA takes off, and we are going to take off as well. And then we'll be back on Friday. So pretty much business as usual the entire week on Hardwood Handicappers. Until then, again, if you could, I've seen it. uh, The reviews and the ratings are up. So we appreciate that. If you can, like, rate, review, subscribe, and check out everything we have to offer up on the website of vcin.com. It includes, as we told you last week, the player prop analyzer is fantastic. You can go through that, use that as a tool to get through uh, some of the history, some of these player props, and, of course, our daily write-ups from Zach and myself and more. With that, we'll see you tomorrow here on Hardwood Handicappers. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.